does my head in that people think we have to disconnect from our from the emotional side of who we are. Doesn't she know that's just boys being boys? It's not man, but I have a problem with that frame and I don't accept it. You guys are off the pussy. Come on, you candy. Looks like we got ourselves a ladies man. I'm a baby, I'm a man. We what we come to know as manhood. My name is Will Small. I've been handed stories throughout my life of what a man should be, how they should act, what they aren't supposed to say or do. And I wonder, what stories are we currently passing on to our young boys and men? Are we satisfied with them? This show is not a set of answers. Rather, it's a conversation with those who want to ask better questions. Live a better story. If that's you, you're in the right place. This is the Mankind Podcast. So I've been on this little quest, talking to men from different fields, generations, and life experiences about their ideas of manhood and masculinity. I've shared on previous episodes how, for me, this is partly motivated by being a father of two sons. I really want to teach them that there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to being a boy or a man. My guest in this episode, Rob Waters, he shares this beautiful story of looking up to his own son. I love that idea. And he talks about the way his son chose to challenge some of the negative versions of masculinity he saw and model a different story. Story is a huge part of this conversation. Rob is a uni lecturer, a poet, and a storyteller. And he uses this idea of like the big story with a capital S, the one that goes back beyond one generation or moment in time. It made me think, like, it's so easy for us to have these conversations that kind of ignore the fact that we come from a bigger story, a longer history. And if we care about the future, it's probably worth listening to the wisdom of the past. Each of these men I've spoken to has taught me something different, and I've really valued their unique perspectives. This conversation with Rob is no exception. It is so rich with wisdom, you could listen three times and take something different away each one. Rob Waters, man, it is so good to be able to just sit here this afternoon and have a conversation with you. Just love for you to introduce yourself in your own words. Maybe give me a bit of a snapshot of who you are, what your life looks like, basically. So, um, yeah, before I start, I just want to acknowledge country. Um, being a Goomera man from Tamworth, um, I'm off country. This isn't my place, so I just want to acknowledge country. Acknowledge the uh, elders and custodians of this place for looking after it. Um, taking care of it and um, acknowledge their strength and tenacity mm. over the last 250 years, you know. Um, but, yeah, acknowledge country. She's a living, breathing entity. Mm. She's, you know, forever she's provided everything for us. So I'm, I acknowledge her and acknowledge everything she's done for us. Um, so a snapshot, who am I? Like I said, I'm a Gormai man from Tamworth. Um, down, living on the coast now for about 12 months. Uh, came down from Armadale, so it's a lot nicer down here. So yeah, I sure. don't miss the cold. Yeah, um, up there in Armadale. Um, came down, came down for a job. So I was at University in New England up there, right? Um, doing a little bit of postgrad work and doing some um, casual stuff with the university. I was, but I was in HR up there for oh god, four years or five years or something, and had enough of that and decided to break away from HR and. Write some poetry again. Yeah, awesome. It was, yeah, it was crazy. But, yeah, I'm down here lecturing full-time. 
Um, so you're a lecturer, but you're a poet, you're a storyteller. I mean, I met you through, you know, hear, hearing your your words performed live, um, which is awesome. So, yeah, you've got a few things going on. Heaps of things going on. I think we're, a, a lot of people do. We're multi, multi-faceted, you know what I mean? Um, especially as, you know, I tell people I'm a lecturer and then you get in there and it's like, oh, you're the Aboriginal lecturer. So that's another hyphenated or another add-on kind of a thing to a, to mm. people's different um, personas or yeah, stuff like that, sure. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I want you to take your mind back for a moment before mm-hmm. you were the, the lecturer, poet, uh, you know, man that you are today. Uh, back when you were a young fella, back when you were a boy, mm. um, what did it mean in your mind to be a man? Like what were some of the images that you saw or the phrases that you heard or kind of the stories of manhood that you were passed down? How did you think about that growing up? Um, I don't know. It's it's a bit different, I, I think. Um, growing up for me, we grew up in um, like a very tight family, big family. Mm-hmm but really tight family. So we had a lot of um, a lot of uncles and um, stuff around. We had – my grandfather was there. Um, we had a lot of strong, like, male role models around us. Um, like my Uncle John, he's one of the reasons I got into writing poetry. He was a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how he did it. He, he was a songwriter, but he never actually wrote anything down. He just had all of his wow. songs. Like he'd sit there for hours with us and we'd say, Uncle John, sing us this song. And he'd just sing sing it without even having to – like he'd memorised all of his songs. I don't know oh, how wow. he did it. It's amazing. Um, but, yeah, he, 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 was, um, he was a very big influence. Uh, my grandfather, my, yeah, my, uh, my old man. Um, we grew up in my grandmother's house, yeah. She was we, – we laugh and joke and say Pop was the head of the family – but Nan was the neck. You know, if he was if he was turning left, it was because she told him to turn left. A lot of Aboriginal communities are, um, are like that. For for so long, we were the the male and female roles were were two parts of the same thing. Yeah, sure. It wasn't one thing or the other. You know. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, we were, you know, there was as much much power in both sides of it. Um, so when we were growing up, we'd go to. Um, big events or whatever, or we'd go to big important meetings and, and stuff. We'd, my grandfather was on the board of a lot of places um, and my grandmother would be there too, but Nan wouldn't always say anything. Um, but anything Pop would say, he'd double-check with her first. Mm. Um, so it was, I don't know, an, an acknowledgement that they needed to be something in that space that wasn't us, mm. to be to exist in that non-Aboriginal space of, you know, because a lot of the time it's the, the old white man who is the boss, the chairman, mm. you know. Mm. It's, it's not the old girls' club. Mm. It's the old boys' club because it's these old boys that always sit around. So we needed that. He was like a, like our way in or our mouth. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but still he didn't speak without acknowledging the other followers that needed to say something, my grandmother, our whole community. Yeah, wow. So it sounds to me like you grew up um, with a pretty beautiful picture of, um, I guess, men and women uh, sharing power, working together, being united, 
and also uh, growing up being handed stories and song mm. and, uh, you know, creativity as a part of what it meant to, to be a man and to carry on that, like, legacy. Um, now you, you're a man, you're, you are a father, uh, you're, you're a lecturer, you're just saying you've got 500 students that you kind of are responsible for at, at uni. Um, how do you think about being a man on this side of it where you're kind of in that position of passing on story, poetry, teaching, yeah, what does that mean for you, in, like today, being a man? Like we become what we grow up in, yeah. Mm. So hopefully, what what we 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 aim to do, you know, is is to be, is to model ourselves on the ones that have, you know, our old people that have gone before us. Mm. Very big on um, ancestors and culture and all that kind of stuff. And you know, my grandfather was a very important person in my life and in many lives, I suppose. So if I can model myself after him. And model myself after my uncles and my like my stepfather and um, and other people. Um, I think that's what I need to do. Mm. Um, I like my, I've got a nineteen-year-old son, uh, Jaden, who's uh, he's down in Sydney and playing. He plays rugby and all that kind of stuff. Went to the big one of the big private schools, and you know. I uh, was in that rugby head kind of a culture and at one point he asked um, to um, kind of move away from, like he was a boarder mm-hmm. and some of the year year 12 boys were being um, a bit rude, a bit sexist, a bit racist, not racist but a bit abrupt, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what he asked the boarding master to do was to move down with the year 11s and 10s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wanted to do that because he said, Dad, that, those fellas, those young fellas, they need somebody to look to, to to know how to act. Yeah, wow. And so he, he did that off his own bat. So he kind of decided they need somebody. They need I someone could, better be than that. these I people. I could be a yeah. different example to them. For sure. That's pretty awesome that, that, you know, his response was not only to see something that wasn't right, yep. but then uh, not, not to kind of just distance himself from it, but yep. to I could be part of Living out a different story, which is I, what this is all about. Yeah, I could give I could give this different understanding to the younger younger guys, yeah. and they looked up to him. Yeah, yeah. Like in that um, private school kind of thing, if you're playing first fifteens, you're treated like a god. Like, mm. and like you, everybody looks to you, they listen to you, that kind of stuff. And he was he was like, well, if I, that's what they're doing, well, these kids need to look to something better than what these other boys are, are showing them. Yeah, that's awesome. That's I think that's really at the heart of this podcast is, you know, we're very familiar with the negative stories. Those ones get all the media attention. Oh, yeah. You know, we hear all about toxic masculinity or whatever, and there's a good reason. Like we need to talk about that stuff and hear about it. But do we have other stories to look to? Yep. Do we have something that's filling, you know, the void there or filling the gap? So um, in many ways, that's what, what your son did is exactly what this is about. Like, let's fill that story up with, you know, yep. stories of good men. Who let's, are, who yeah, are, let's tell other stories. Exactly. Let's tell the, and be okay with that and be yeah. proud of it. And, yeah. It's very cool. If you could go back in time and, and chat to, you know, yourself when you were around that age or when you were like 18, you know, having uh, learnt whatever you've learnt between now and then, what are some of the things you'd say in a, in a conversation with that version of you that's kind of mm-hmm. just in that that transitional stage into manhood? Um, I don't know. Keep doing what you do. Because I, like we all, we all make mistakes, I think, you know. And I, ma- I made some back then. Um, but those mistakes taught me to be who I am now, yeah. Mm. 
So I don't want to go in there and just say, oh, well, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, because if I did, I wouldn't be this person. Mm. I wouldn't be this version of me. So at that age, we were crazily just trying to be parents and trying to raise kids. And so we just went, yeah, we're not doing this here. Mm. And we packed up and moved home back to Tamworth and somewhere a little bit quieter, somewhere surrounded by family because we were a little bit isolated down in Sydney. Mm. Um, so we wanted to, yeah, give them the experiences we had, you know, growing up in growing up in the grandmother's kitchens, yeah. kind of backyard football, football and all the cool stuff, swimming in the rivers and that. Yeah, nice. That's awesome. I love the idea that, you know, yeah, we shouldn't go back and tell our past selves uh, not to make mistakes. Um, but it sounds like you're somebody who, um, you know, there was always a deepening of character maybe through some of those things and kind of a leaning in and going, how do I learn from this mm. in order to become who I am? Um, so Look, that and that was due to having people like my mother and, yeah, you know, my grandmother, my aunties and uncles and my grandfather and stuff around just going, dude, you've mucked up, yeah? Yeah. You've mucked up proper here. <laughs> what are you going to do now? Yeah. How do you, how do you, you know, you're not going, you're not going to change the past. So what are you going to do now? How are you going to fix it? Or how are you going to fix you? What's, mm. what's going on? Um, so that's only, that's due to those guys. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So one thing I really hear you saying, Rob, um, and I just know as well, you know, you are a storyteller. I know you as as storyteller and poet. You've obviously got deep connection to to your family, to your ancestors, to your cultural roots. And um, I guess I want I want to ask you, like, how important um, is it that we pass on those rich stories from the past to the next generation? But also at the same time, how do we balance that with kind of honouring those stories um, while writing new ones mm. and while kind of challenging? you know, some of the parts of the past stories that, that we could maybe do differently. Yeah, have you got any thoughts around how to honour the stories of the past while writing the ones of the future? We've got a lot of, I don't know, I think culturally, you know, we talk about story and it's like this this big S kind of story, yeah? this overarching kind of story that um, all of the little stuff comes out of that. They're little chapters, I suppose. There's this big story that's overriding and culturally that our old people have, have always, um, you know, they told us, you know, we were born from the earth, you know, born from the earth. And we were, that's our mother, we've got to look after her. Mm. Grandfather used to tell me that, you know, we don't inherit the earth from our grand grandparents. We borrow it from the grandchildren. Wow. So we got to look after it because this isn't our place. That's a beautiful we thought. We weren't given it, we borrowed it from somebody. So we get, you know, those kind of things are overarching stories for us. Mm. You know, they, they're supposed to be there to guide us and our stuff is more than fairy tales and, oh, yeah, this is the moral to the story. It's more like this is the way it is, mm. the way it's always been. Well, we need that more than ever, I think, about that, that idea of borrowing, you know, from our grandchildren and I think about having a big-ass story that says that we come from the earth uh, the you know we sort of belong to the earth in yeah. a sense we need to we need to take care of it we need yeah. to live consciously of it that is a big ass story that we need right yeah. now right she's our, she's our mother yeah I, I really appreciate that because you know uh, I feel like um, for me I'm out of touch with my big big cultural stories anyway like I, I feel like the more I learn about this stuff the more I realize that's my work 
I've got to do that work. I've got to go back. I've got to trace those stories um, because they, you know, what happened in the past has a huge influence on tomorrow. Mm. And so if I'm out of touch with that stuff, then that is where we stop taking care of the planet and each other and we forget how people are supposed to treat each other. And so, so yeah, I hear what you're saying and it, it actually inspires me to go back and do the work because um, we're shaped we're shaped so deeply by story. So if we're out of touch with our stories, then maybe yeah. we, we kind of become a bit out of shape. So for someone like me who feels a bit out of touch with my stories yeah. and also out of touch with, with land, with country, um, you know, I, I, I crave that, but I feel maybe a bit like I don't know where to start. Yep. So for someone like me or anyone else listening to this who finds themselves kind of relating to that, how do you think uh, I can begin to go on a journey to reconnect yep. with those things? Just find people in this in your community. Yeah? Our culture is about sharing. It doesn't matter who you are. Come on in. Back in the day, the, the Macassas used to come and trade with the Yungu people right up the top, and there's stories about um, how that some Aboriginal people back back in the day, like hundreds of years ago, went into Indonesia, mm. and Indonesian people come and stayed here, and there's a mixture of cultures and stuff because that's what it was about. It was like if you come yeah, here, right. with, come here with love, we'll love you back. Mm. You go to country with love, country loves you back. Yeah, it's awesome. So it's yeah, I don't know. It's it's about finding finding those people in the in the community that are doing the cultural work. Once you're in the community, like our our followers will look after you. And once it's like because um, we're so, such a small, tight knit community, we know who the good people are. So everybody knows who the good people are because mm. we're saying, hey, Uncle John. That fellow there, he's a good fellow. Hmm. You tell everybody else he's a good fellow. And everybody else is, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that fellow that Rob was talking about. He's one of the good fellows. Oh, yeah, come on over. Come on, you know. Um, and that works the same on the other side too. Mm. You know, if people come in being disrespectful and, you know, that kind of stuff, we know yeah. straight, everybody knows straight away who the ones not to talk to as well. Yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome. I love that picture of, of um, real community. Mm. Um, and I love that. You know, like I said earlier, but you and I met through poetry. Mm. And for me, uh, one of the biggest reasons I'm into poetry, I share this with people all the time, like I love poetry, yep. but what I really love is that it creates a space where people who are totally different are kind of equalised. Yep. And running spoken word nights, you know, I've seen people that are homeless, people that uh, lived in refugee camps, mm. people that are, you know, at the near the end of their life, yep. people that are very early in their life all jump up, share story, and it's like everyone's mind expands a little by seeing people that are totally different to them doing the same thing as them. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, that's been a, in some ways a, a cultural space that has really enriched me and it's been awesome to connect with you in that yeah, space yeah. as well. And it's kind of funny because there's like this new thing happening in spoken word poetry and slam poetry, but it's really just tapping into this ancient, you know, the biggest story it's type been thing. been happening forever. Yeah, Exactly what you're saying, you know. It's a, it creates a space where people who may not ever have known each other can come and share and go, yeah, that's where we connect. Yeah, 100%. It's a, it's a super powerful thing. I mean, really, it's why we're sitting here having this conversation because exactly. I met you in that space, which is awesome. As far as story goes, uh, I do feel like we have some um, some negative stories about manhood and masculinity that we need to challenge. And for me, um, like it is for you, like that's, you know, uh, strongly motivated by my own fatherhood 
and my own sense of having sons that I want to be able to walk into those big, beautiful, big S stories yeah. in the future. Um, what are some of the messages that you hear today, you know, around manhood and masculinity yep. that you you would want to change or challenge or even remind people of, you know, something better from, from yesterday yeah, that would have yeah. formed tomorrow? That, that manhood or masculinity is about aggression. I don't – like we grew – we grew up in a like like surrounded by love. Yes, there was you know when it when it needed to be there, there was that strength or there was that um, that aggression came out. But it, the whole who we were, who we are, or who we were, or whatever wasn't built on that. Mm. And there's times and places to to be that person, but not all the time. Um, so that yeah, the the idea that manhood is about being this big tough blokey aggressive person and I don't cry and I don't talk about my feelings and I don't do this and, you know, all of that kind of bullshit, mm. you know. It we, just it does my head in that people think we have to disconnect from our from the emotional side of who we are um, to, be, to be a man. It's like, no, 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 no. That's you're going about it the whole wrong way. Like you, you have to do that. Mm. Otherwise you're going to self-destruct. Otherwise you, 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 you disconnect, you know. We disconnect from our mother, the earth, or from our own mother, yeah? Mm. We all got belly buttons. <laughs> Every man has a belly button. That belly button's a reminder that we're hard, we are as much part of our mother as we are of our father. Mm. We need to respect both sides of that, yeah? And that, that's a belly button that goes all the way back. It connects to my mother and her mother and her mother and her mother mm. all the way back. So we have to remind ourselves, yeah? We've got to, you know, it's being being a man isn't about control. Being a man isn't about um, you know being this big tough guy. It's about I don't know. It's about looking after yourself. About staying true to yourself. It's about looking after family. Looking after country. Um, being respectful of our mothers of, of, of our mothers because, like I say, we're half that as well. Yeah. That, that's been a, it's like funny it's come up in every one of these interviews every every person I've interviewed for this project uh, are all quite different in a lot of ways mm. but every person has kind of brought up the significance of the women in their life who have, who have taught them how to be who they are yep. who have come before them who have been just as significant as any male role models and Definitely. I think that's a huge to me like a, a warning bell if, if you're a man and you don't have women that you're looking up to, yep. that you're learning how to be a human from, yep. that's a problem. My mother's taught me just about how I can be a man just as much as my father has. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She knows what she, who she is. She knows what's acceptable and she shows us that, okay, that's not acceptable. So, you know, she shows us what, what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to be as a man by her interactions with not just as our father, but with, with other people, other men around. Mm. Um, so she's shown me what to, how to be a man as well. Um, yeah, I love that. Uh, so are there, are there particular men or women um, that you're looking to right now kind of maybe that have a bit of platform or have a bit of influence in our culture that you look to and you think, you know what, that's someone who's doing it well? Um, I'm not sure. Like I've got it, a lot of my stuff's... A lot, a lot of the people that I look to is more community mm-hmm. kind of based. 
people. Um, not so much the, you know, the big celebrity dudes and maybe there's something in that as well. Women. Maybe there's that. That's kind of we we want to look to the celebrity mm. when maybe we should be answer, all of us should be answering that question with who's that local person? Who, yeah, who are those local local followers that are doing it right? That are that are being being good. I suppose good men. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I, I keep mentioning my like I mention my son again. You know, mm. just by doing stuff like that. Um, yeah. You know, stuff like that, um, you know, move, moving away from that toxic masculinity, that rugby kind of a culture to, to show some younger followers how to be, you know. I look up to him. Um, I look up to my younger brothers. They've, um, they've taught me, like, so much. Culturally, um, yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're very connected. Um, they do a lot of dance and story and culture and... Um, they do a lot of cultural work up home around Tamworth and they're very connected to home. Um, and just the way that, that they are, you know, and the way that they um, act within community and hold themselves and that kind of stuff, I look up to them. I love, that, I love that you answered with your son and your younger brothers as people that you look up to. That's an awesome, I think, lesson as well in, you know, we can learn from people either side of us age-wise. Yeah. Um, Oh, you know, the other funny thing I was thinking just then is that um, the story of uh, your son's positive masculinity, for example, is not going to get reported in any newspaper. And the stories of men just um, who are choosing to to take care of neighbour, to take care of earth, to be kind to each other, that stuff doesn't get reported. But it's important that we notice it because it is around us. And and if we kind of make sure that we surround ourselves with those kind of people that's going to change who we become, like you said at the beginning. And pass, and pass that on, you know. Pass those little stories on to other people. Yeah. You know, in conversations, you know, you might be sitting sitting at a bar watching football, you're doing blokey stuff, drinking beers and watching footy and all that kind of stuff and just and remind those other men, if they say something out of line in the pub, say, hey, dude, that's not right. Mm. You need to, you know, and that's that whole thing about just we've got to keep ourselves in check. But we also got to not just, you know, it's not just a reactionary thing. We, we shouldn't just be always coming down on the whole, like, a, you know, that idea of toxic masculinity when we see it. Yes, do that. But don't let that be all about what we do. Mm. Also show them the good stuff. Also show them those little stories like I talk about Jaden and about my, my brothers and that kind of stuff. Tell your mates that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, that's good. I, I feel personally inspired. I'm listening to that and I'm like, you know, because I've got, uh, got brothers and um, I love, love my brothers and my sisters. Um, but my younger brother, you know, he's the, he's the youngest of six but, uh, and he's a graffiti artist. And uh, he said to me a few years ago, um, you know, Will, like I've, uh, I've never painted any wall that I, I, you know, wasn't allowed to paint. And that's because I just saw an example in – my older bros of kind of integrity and, yep. and respect, but he gets paid to paint big murals yeah. and does a great job. But I just, you know, that's, I never would tell anybody that story normally, but I'm kind of inspired to go, who are those, those little examples of just positive character yeah. in the men around me and the younger men around me to tell those stories. Um, so, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about that, the importance of story and we've talked about um, the importance of family and, and community um, are there other things that you kind of have in place in your life that kind of keep you 
healthy and grounded. Um, any other kind of practices or rhythms or you know, things that you do mm. that help you to be who you are? Um, go home, go back to Tamworth as much as I can. Um, and when I get there, I just take my shoes off and just walk on my grandmother's country. Instantly, it's a recharge kind of a thing. Like it's a, yeah, everybody's got somewhere that's home. That's where we're connected to, or that's where we, you know, that's where we find find love or find you know that kind of thing. We've got to go home and, and and step on the ground and reconnect. I do that as much as I can. If I can't do it up home, I'll do it here. I'll go um, either go down to the beach and just lay on the sand, or I'll go to the lakeside, or I'll go up to some of the local. Uh, there's a lot of Aboriginal sites, um, carving sites and art sites, and go up and sit there for a bit and just be. Mm. You know, we get caught up in we get caught up so much in doing stuff that we forget that you know we don't do nothing enough. Mm. We don't just sit and just be and connect or or disconnect anywhere near enough. Um, and that's I, I love being able to do that down here. Um, it's such a beautiful place. A lot of uh, significant mm. art sites and stuff like that around, but a lot of beautiful beaches and and that. And a you know I get. Like I say, 500 students, every now and then I've got to disconnect and then just take, yeah. you know, even if it's 20 minutes, just sit and sit on the beach and notice stuff. Just look and just be there for a bit, you know. We don't do that anywhere near enough. No, you're right. Yeah, oh, I love that. Um, well, we're getting to the end of our conversation, but I just want to thank you for uh, sharing wisdom with me and with, with anyone else who listens. I know I've really benefited from this conversation. And uh, it's inspired me to go. Thank you for the invite, brother. Oh, man, it's a pleasure. And I'll just, you know, keep doing what you're doing and using your voice to tell better stories. And uh, on behalf of, well, yeah, myself and many others, I just want to thank you for for kind of that example that you're setting. Um, Do you have a final kind of uh, just thought or or kind of piece of advice for anyone listening who wants to just go a little bit further on the journey with this stuff? if I can, I'll just share a – can I share a poem with you guys? Absolutely, please. Um, last year for NAIDOC week, uh, the, the theme was Because of Her We Can. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I, I wrote this – and that's what it's called. It's called Because of Her. And I, I wanted to write this more as a, a letter, I suppose, to young men, young Aboriginal men, young whoever around me in my community. Um says, Dear men, a friend of mine, she who is as fierce as the summer sun once wrote, and I quote, we are more than just backbones. We are more than just your mothers and sisters and aunties. We are more than who we are in relation to you. Now, yes, they are our mothers, and I'm forever thankful for mine. I'm reminded every day of where I come from, as you should be too, by your belly button. It's a physical, ever-present reminder of your connection to her and to all those mothers before her. You may be a man, or a soon-to-be one, but you must never forget that half of you is made up of her, dear men. My friend already told us that they are far more than just backbones. So when she tells, when they tell their story, men, you may hear them, but you listen when they say they are warriors. Their tongues as sharp as spears and eyes fixed on tomorrows that, man, you don't even know exist yet. She will be there when the sun comes up, just as she has been there since that first time the sun showed her face. She was here before the boats came. She too fought for our country. 
She was there that first time they took our little ones away. She was there when we protested waving her fists and our flags. She's been there through all of the achievements and all of our suffering whilst carrying her own so when she tells her story, men, you listen. Celebrate her story. Celebrate her tenacity and most of all you celebrate her. She is here and she will tell her story. Because of her, we can too. This Mankind podcast is a conversation about what it means to live out a positive story of manhood in the world today. I don't think it's possible to have a conversation about being a good man without including the perspectives of women in the conversation. If you're a man listening to this podcast, why not listen to it with your partner, girlfriend, mother, sister, daughter, see what they think. I've asked a good friend of mine, Hannah Gearhart, to add her voice to this conversation. I I am Hannah Gearhart. I am a writer. I um, am doing a PhD in creative writing at the moment. I'm also a head teacher of English in a local high school. I am a passionate feminist. I am married to a wonderful man and we have two small kids. So I'm a mum and wife as well. Oh, what a conversation. I could listen to that guy for a long time. His, his voice, his tone is just soothing to my soul. And then his heart and his just everything he says so good. I know. But uh, this is not the part where I talk about what I think about it. I want to hear what you think about it, Hannah. Let's see. Well, How it's about you have a crush on him. I know? definitely have a crush on him. Could we just start with, uh, I know you've probably got some thoughts on some of the details, but just like big picture first impressions of that uh, conversation with Rob. Yeah, I I loved, I, I definitely resonate with what you're saying about his smooth tones. That was amazing. You can tell he's a poet, hey. Absolutely. Because, you know, just so beautifully spoken and lyrical and I love listening to that. Um, overall, it's, it's interesting. I think what you were saying with uh, the other interviews you've done, how there is such resonance with the interviews, such disparate experiences and ways of looking at the world, but uh, comes back to so much heart and that's what's been so exciting about this series is uh, people with heart and wanting to um, address how we're impacting the world and, and how we're shaping our lives. It's just, um, yeah, really beautiful to listen to. And I think his was just so evocative and thoughtful and respectful and, really life-giving, I think. I loved listening to it and it was just so encouraging and inspiring, like you said. Yes. Uh, What were some of the particular things that he said or the particular themes that kind of stood out to you the most that felt like they were really cutting through? Yeah, I think what was really striking was when Rob was talking about looking for for community-based examples of positive masculinity and, and just positive humanity I think that that really struck me when you were both talking about the difference between looking at celebrities uh, and how easy it is to identify with people really distant to us, uh, as opposed to looking in our community and seeing people who are who are modelling really positive ways of living. And when I was thinking about that, I, I was wondering if that celebrity worship 
almost absolves us of any responsibility. That distance means that we can think they're an excellent person and so I don't have to do anything about it because mm. they're in another stratosphere to my my reality. And I think that community focus means there is much more uh, responsibility and, and engagement and, uh, you know, reciprocal learning from each other. And I think that was really striking. Uh, I loved how Rob talked about also looking up to his son. I, th- I thought that was really beautiful. When when you hear people talk about influences, they're often talking about people who have come before them or been really formative in their, their early years. And I think that's just really oh, just lovely that he talks about his son so so respectfully and talks about what an incredible impact he's having just from consciously choosing to to live differently and to show a different example of masculinity in his rugby world, like he said, which, you know, notoriously has (laughs) not an ideal reputation. Yeah. What I love as well about the story about his son, Jaden, and the way that Jaden kind of took responsibility and wanted to set a really positive example, Mm. you know, I... I can only assume that that's because that's what Jaden has seen in Rob. That's what he's seen in his dad. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, yeah, I love that his response is not only am I not okay with that, but I'm going to really find pockets of influence where I can show a different thing so that this attitude isn't perpetuated. I think there's a real intentionality to that, isn't there? And Definitely. Yeah, and you're and right, probably from his father's example. And, and, you know, Rob has learned from so many people like he talks about. It's, it's this ongoing thing. It's not one person being an excellent human and changing things. It's it's this chain of influence and, and integrity that shapes multitudes of people. And I just think the idea of telling the good stories is something that came up there a bit. Mm. I like that Rob said, you know, if you're if you're at the pub and someone says something that is a, a toxic thing to say, then, you know, call it. Mm. Um, he, he was clear about that. But also, let's not let that be the only time that we yeah. talk about what manhood is or, or you know, like let's tell, tell each other mm. good positive stories of when we see something different happening. You're right. I think um, they're sensational and that's what people react to. Um, but these stories of, of beautiful, emotional, like Rob was talking about, um, representations of masculinity are not going to be headlines, but are the ones we should be looking out for. And, and they're the ones that we should be encouraging and investing into that, that do reshape culture. And we don't, importantly, we don't have to choose between one or the other. Mm. We don't have to choose between uh, calling out the negative and telling the stories of the positive. Yeah, and it's absolutely. a huge sign of maturity and and development and uh, you know learning um, how to be more uh, yeah I guess thoughtful and considerate in the world is being able to hold two seemingly polar opposite things mm. kind of at the same time I find it useful to actually think about that with you know my hands and kind of in the one hand there's uh, stories I need to pay attention to because they're super negative. On the other hand, there's stories I need to amplify because they're super positive mm-hmm. and I, I don't need to choose between one or the other. They yeah. kind of, I can hold them both at the same time. I think Rob does that. Yeah. Even when he talked about, um, I love the way he talked about his, his gra- growing up in his grandmother's house and uh, the relationship between his grandmother and his grandfather and just this shared, shared role that wasn't mm. split apart. 
I think how many things do we just always split apart, go one or the other, when we could actually see them as kind of parts of a, a more holistic picture? Absolutely. I think I also saw it in his discussion of, of his culture being this inclusive entity. and You know, like I don't think anyone has any delusions about what our history has been with, with white invasion and, and the impacts that has had on, on Indigenous culture. But I love that he, he is still talking about the love is the equaliser and, and people who come lovingly are welcome and, and are, are invited to share. And I think that's an extraordinary thing too. On the one hand, absolutely acknowledging our history, but then also... There is there are ways to connect and move into different spaces of, of equality and, and mutual understanding. Yeah. I thought a huge thing that really struck me with this conversation, uh, definitely more so I think than any of the others in, in the interviews I've conducted, is that Rob is deeply in touch with the past mm. in a way that is really positive and in a way that is bigger than just uh, the previous generation or a couple generations ago. And because it's so big picture, there's kind of an equalizing effect of that. Like sometimes we just look to the generation before us, we see all the things about them that we want to break free from. So mm. we just cut off everything. Yep. Whereas if you have a deep backstory, then you actually see things like he said about, we come, we come from the earth. Mm. You know, we're all made of the same stuff. We have this, you know, legacy, uh, which is long-term. And, and so I, th- I feel like he is future-focused, he's, he's progressive, he obviously wants to um, tell better stories tomorrow, but there's also a, a deep uh, humility and connectedness to a long past, mm-hmm. um, which I could definitely benefit from more. Do you have any thoughts around that or yeah. Yeah, observations around that part of the conversation? That's it. I think how he talked about this issue and his life and, and his beliefs is so holistic, isn't it? And you're right. It's, it's very big picture. And I think that's been challenging because I am so short sighted in, in how I'm viewing the world and my feelings about things. I love the metaphor he used of, well, well, it's, you know, the literal belly button being this metaphor for generations going back beyond belief and, and how we are connected to mother and, how you know not only that 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 connects us to the feminine but also connects us to generations that go way before us and so the big picture of that and that constant reminder that we are part of something beyond ourselves and have to respect it and acknowledge what we've come from i think was a really really beautiful image well hannah <laughs> obviously we both were enriched by that conversation there's a lot of stuff there. You know, I'm going to listen to that a few times just because I think he's he's uh, worth listening to and, and deeply listening, not just like kind of in the background. Mm. Um, yeah, what, what are the final impressions that you have that you would want to kind of keep and take hold of from that conversation? If I was to ask you about a month from now, mm. what would you hope that you'd still be thinking about or doing as a result of listening? That's a good question. Uh, I think I would like to be really mindful of what legacy I'm wanting to pass down or, or to the people who I interact with. What, what do I want to be known for? And I think what, what I'm hearing from Rob's experiences, he is known for 
kindness and honour. He's really respectful of, of who has shaped him and really intentional in the way he's raising his kids and interacting with people. I think that is such an incredible legacy to leave and I, I would like to be really mindful of, of what I'm wanting to leave as well and how I'm wanting to impact people. Um, I loved that one of the final things he said was we don't do nothing enough. And so even though it's not particularly to do with gender or these conversations we're having, I think I really need to take stock of that, that to stop and just reconnect and, and root myself in something really tangible and meaningful and take those moments. You know, he said even sometimes 20 minutes to just stop and, and just do nothing, I think is a really good mm. piece of advice in the busy lives we lead. Yeah, and there's got to be some some relationship between not doing nothing enough and living lives that uh, tend towards more destruction, mm. even in subtle ways. You know, we, we don't listen deeply to each other because mm. we're busy mm. or we make assumptions about each other because we're rushed. Yeah. So I think to do nothing can totally change our, our way of being and, and therefore our way of relating to each other. This podcast has been proudly brought to you by the Central Coast Council and developed by Lead by Story. Help us grow the conversation by giving it a positive rating and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Music for this show has been created by Josh Corkill and editing was done by Sienna Aloisio. I've been your host, Will Small. Catch you next time on Mankind. <laughs>